another traveler. Pull a chair up and rest your feet. Would you care for some food or a drink? Perhaps some information or a legendary tale. Come, stay a while and listen. Hello and thank you for joining us today, travelers. This is Table Talk, Episode 7 of Tavern Legends Podcast. Today's episode is going to be titled, Making a Quest Your Own. So today we're going to talk about using pre-existing content. Maybe it's a quest published by Wizards of the Coast or something like that. And we're going to talk about how to make that your own quest or taking parts of it for your own game. Pretty simple stuff. Um... Joining you today for that is, of course, me, Clayton Friedemann. And Jacob Yonbor. All right. I guess we'll we'll get diving right in here to some, some points. So uh, what what kind of uh, encompassing uh, rules would you say are in, are in place in, in kind of making a game your own? We've boiled it down to three basic steps. So we have them set up to be identify adapt and implement so the idea being that you will identify story points and plot points and then you're going to adapt them for your own game and how you'll actually go about using them for your own game right you know identifying parts that are crucial to the story and are going to impact um your world that you're wanting to work with and everything in that uh in that aspect right so let's dive into that first point. Let's talk, since you already started, let's talk about identifying some key plot points from an existing book. Right. So we, last um, podcast, we actually brought up a uh, quest that Dungeons and Dragons, Wizards of the Coast has been running or, well, released for free uh, for their stay at home and play pandemic little um, promotion that they've been running, uh, Sokol on, or Seeker. Secret at Sokol Keep. Yeah. So that's the quest we're kind of... We we took it, and we were kind of turning it into our own quest, just to kind of give you some demonstrations and some examples of, of how we did that. So we're going to kind of go through point by point here, starting with uh, the identifying part, and just work through it and kind of get you caught up on that so if you if you listen to that first podcast it should give you a pretty good idea of what the quest is dealing with um otherwise we'll briefly go over it in this uh episode as well so to clarify that is table talk episode six mm-hmm. right so all right so using Sokol keep we're going to talk about the identity or identifying step so the first off what you'll want to do for identifying is i mean you'll You'll want to make sure you read through the quest, obviously. Otherwise, how are you going to know what parts are important? But once you've read through the quest, I personally suggest that you look for those moments that you like or you find enjoyable, things that, you know, maybe they make you happy or you thought it was cool or maybe it stirred some strong emotions of fear or something. Things that you can actually latch on to to create a scene. Those are really important just to be able to bring players in. And these are, you know, mainly beginner tips and everything that are going to help people that are just kind of wanting to easily template or transfer over something and make it their own. So um, we just want to throw that out there, too. So 
you know, re- like Jake said, reading through it, um, going through and picking out and identifying um, certain moments within the quest that are going to resonate with your playing group, um, you know, if you're familiar with them or if you're just starting out, you know, just pick something that you think someone every that someone or everyone might enjoy, something to that extent, you know. Maybe there's a treasure hunt in the quest that you really like that you want to adapt and, and you like how they did it. So, But maybe there's some things you want to just change up a little bit. Yeah, I think you touch on a good point there. Um, you talked about like maybe catering to your table. Um, so I'm, I would say it's good to go into it with a design goal of sorts. Like, mm-hmm. Then this is this is probably a good suggestion for any quest you're going to do anyway, but especially for if you're trying to adapt an existing quest, you're going to want to look for what is going to actually work towards achieving your goal. If you have a specific story you want to tell, like maybe it's a vampire story, or you want to talk about a sailor, or there's an NPC you have in mind that you want to tell the story of, so you'll you'll want to pick your points, your key story points to that design goal. Right, and on top of that, not only are you going to want to pick out strong moments that you like, you're also going to want to find stuff that you dislike, stuff that you don't particularly care for or want to use in your game. Uh, maybe there was a chase sequence that you thought was sloppy or or could have been handled in a different way. You can look at that, figure a way out to kind of adapt it to make it what you're wanting to do, and then... Um, use that as an example kind of moving forward like say the there's a chase through the sewers maybe you want it to be a rooftop chase instead yeah stuff like that you know you want to identify those those moments those main arc points those plot points those key points whatever you want to call them and um really pick out um which ones are going to be big moments um to you to keep driving that story forward yeah, and I'd say, so we've covered two categories here so far. We've talked about ones, the, the, the key points that you like and the plot points that you don't like. Um, so we have the op- opposites there, but I think another one that would be useful, this one is much more towards like actually progressing the story. It would be identifying plot points that have to happen for the story to progress. Right. So let's let's talk about since we were going to use Sokol Keep as an example, let's reference Sokol Keep for a couple of these. So mm-hmm. like, let's do um, some points that we like. So, what's something that you liked from Sokol Keep, Clay? I like the um, the bar fight, the opening kind of bar fight and bar sequence, and where everyone kind of met each other and met some of the NPCs, and um, kind of got into a little brawl with some of the the fishermen some of the dock hands and i i really enjoyed that part of part of the quest so yeah so i think last time you said you liked the tension it created the sense of unease mm-hmm. yep. so it creates a nice backdrop so for that we would i would say we would pull that sense of unease into the community so we're going to use our homebrew setting of Rotara, and we've got a town called Greycliff. Perfect little town for this. Yeah, it's, it's another port town. Um, it's not on an inland sea like Flan is, but it is a port town all the same. So mm-hmm. let's say 
um, you know, there's the dock hands that are uneasy because there's some sort of problem happening in town. And at this point, we don't even need to identify that problem. I'd say it's just we're taking one plot point, which mm-hmm. is the tension in the populace and the bar fight, mm-hmm. and we're going to adapt that for our game. Right. So we can we don't we can come up with a name for the inn right now. We don't have to, but we know that players will be set up in an inn. And they'll be introduced to some of the main NPCs through that. Pretty yeah. common setup. Yeah, that are going to introduce you not only to a quest line that's coming up, but also going to kind of help drive the story forward and keep you focused on, on the goals in hand. This is also a good opportunity to, to introduce and, and meet all the other players and describe them in the group as well. So Yeah. Which is always a pretty key important thing in a campaign if they already don't know each other or... You know, they're just meeting for the first time. Okay, so we've got the bar scene figured out to a certain extent. So we know we want to incorporate the bar scene, and we know we want to incorporate some high tensions among the people in town. I think what else that touches on is another key point, something that has to happen. We have to learn about the existence of these other organizations in town for them to actually matter. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be some governing body and there needs to be someone that's opposed to it or in some way in conflict with it right so we already talked about having the dock hands i think that's okay again you know dock hands general laborers mm-hmm. more of the common populace mm-hmm. and then maybe we instead of using the Sokol family or the black guard we could just say it's the city watch mm-hmm. one one kind of guard guard force that's responsible for the area yeah or a hired mercenary force that's been come to paid to protect this oh yeah that's another good one too yep so so we know that there's going to be and they would probably be affiliated with the military i would say Mm -hmm. maybe it's just an extra hand but we have the idea now that we have a military organization and the common people that are meeting in the bar and there's going to be high tensions between them for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and we know that we need to set some important npcs in there as well yep so opening scene is all set and we already know a little bit about the dynamics that are going to be happening as our players explore the town. Mm-hmm. Right. So we can either, you know, you can straight up just copy and paste this town if you really want to, or you can throw in your own names and everything like that, for example. We didn't come up with any super specific names because, I mean, for the majority of this quest, it takes place in only a few key locations. So that's kind of the uh, the identity part of this. You know, we're just identifying those key parts that are going to be taking place and, and where they're going to be taking place and how you're going to get your players there. So yeah, we got our first key spot, the bar. Yep. Everyone meeting, the story gets set up. You paint a picture of what, what your what your problem in this town is going to be. In Sokol Keep, for example, the lighthouse goes out mysteriously and, and it's not bringing in trade into town and people are scared that it, that they're losing their jobs and they have to be kept in town. They can't leave. They can't do anything. So we took that and we adapted that to our Grey Cliff world that we have, or Grey Cliff, the town in Ritara that we have. And we had it just kind of turned into a lighthouse, just like that, similarly, except instead of, you know, fire and stuff kind of powering this lighthouse, we switched it to a charcoal powered little lighthouse that just charcoal gets thrown on there and stuff like that just to kind of switch it up a little bit just to say you know we did so and one then that also 
can be used to influence the region. So knowing that the lighthouse uses charcoal, we're going to call it Charcoal Keep. It's a great landmark for it. Mm -hmm. It's got charred marks from where the fire has been burning for so long. Plays into the Gray Cliff name as well of the town. Exactly. And then to top that off, the people would need a way to get charcoal there. So they either trade for it or there's mines nearby to get it. We went with mm-hmm. the mine approach. Right. So that also means that now we have dockhands and miners in Greycliff. Right. We got a good cast built out just from this little bit of picking a few key points from the story and adding a little twist on it. By calling it Charcoal Keep, we've already enriched the world further. Mm-hmm. So I think this kind of ties into our next little point a little bit. So we've talked about kind of identifying your key spots and we've already identified that as this lighthouse and this bar to start and this is just a simple one shot so right i think just to touch on since we did say there's a third type what's the thing that you didn't like about sokol keep something that we should avoid oh yeah that's a good point up until this point um i mean i would say just probably i didn't enjoy really the the small town feel i would i would like i would like to maybe have a little bit more involved of a town it was a little too small for my liking but that's a pretty small thing it's nothing they kind of put it on the dm to fill out the town a little bit more without telling you what was really going on Mm -hmm. i could see that and that does that can benefit some settings because maybe you just want to throw it in however you want Mm -hmm. that could be a concern for other dms because they want the tools to be prepared Mm -hmm. so that's a good one I actually personally didn't care for the the part where you had to get to the keep. Mm-hmm. It just right. it didn't feel natural that By you just boat. Be like, oh my gosh, like we we need to get. I mean, I guess it makes sense. You had to get a guy on a boat to get to the keep that's across the water. But it's like at the same time, why not just yeah. adapt? Which is what we did. Which brings us into our next point. We just adapted and we made it so that this. Sokol Keep or Charcoal Keep in this in this instance is already in the town. It's already part of the town. Yeah, it's well, it's on the edge of town. But right. It, there's there's a land route to it, so you know how to get there. Clearly, yeah. people can just point you that way. You don't have to worry about getting a ferryman or like mm-hmm. negotiating with people, especially if your players come into town and they end up killing a bunch of commoners it's like who's going to want to take them on a boat to the next area <laughs> yeah they'll chances are they'll probably just kill the person they need to to get the boat <laughs> then, then yeah it can make some issues that was just one of the things i didn't care for so we've touched on identifying parts and as you can tell with that last one things that you don't care for it's pretty subjective so that's going to differ a lot based on each person writing your own quest mm-hmm. take it for what you will yep and playing the game more and more will let you find out what works and what doesn't work so yeah only only way that that's going to work is by trial and error so okay so i think that sums up identifying let's talk about adapting yep and we kind of tied that in a little bit already where where i mentioned adapting and switching uh charcoal keep and and sokol keep up in in our little one shot that we that we've made right so I guess the heart of adapting is just the idea of, I mean, it seems to speak for itself, but you take those plot points and story moments that you have identified, and then you're going to make your own twist to them. So 
changing a name, changing a location, uh, maybe changing what actually happens. So, like, maybe at the start in the bar, there's not actually a fight. It's just, you know, there's a heated yelling argument. You don't actually need the violence to break out. Whatever the twist that you want to make is, that's going to be approaching your design goal. Like, you're going to push what you want to achieve forward while you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'd say one of the biggest adaptations um, that we made um, in this quest, uh, in Sokol Keep, there's a ghost uh, by the name of Harabi, or Hooray. Hooray, yeah, Hooray, that kind of follows you around and and guides you through the quest um, in a little non-direct way. And I'd say probably one of the biggest adaptations that we did was kind of just almost eliminated of that character in general yeah i i liked the supernatural appeal of it to a certain extent but for our story it just didn't work we we're stepping away from the temple under the keep idea so there's not going to be as much of that religious aspect Mm -hmm. and there's just not a reason to keep that spirit down there for our setting right now and that goes into the adaption right in an alternative Maybe we could have gone, instead of saying that there was no temple, we could have said that there was a temple and it was to a corrupt evil spirit. And so instead of saying Hooray is helping you, Hooray is actually trying to prevent you from doing stuff. Right, exactly. Um, And then obviously, you know, a lot of the enemies and everything in in this quest were undead. Um, There was some uh, crust covered uh, animated armor covered in crustaceans generally things that don't live Mm -hmm. yeah so we wanted something that's more alive in our setting yeah so you know me and jake i mean we've been playing the game for a while so we you know we had a little brainstorming session and we were just sitting you know chilling and then all of a sudden it's like you know we wanted a we wanted a creature that could you know provide a threat to a region of of people that's that's not strong enough to just take it on, but is also feared, fearing it enough to not really challenge it or anything like that. So we decided and came upon an abolith as as one potential uh, enemy for this quest. Yeah, we have. I would say we have two different approaches. Where with the abolith, it's one powerful creature that's making a threat, and maybe it's built its nest there or it just moved in. And so it's it's more of a recent threat to the region, I would say. Right, and a, and a, for anyone that doesn't know, an abolith is almost like a creature that was been around for like a really long time. It revered itself as a god at one point, um, until actual gods did show up and put it in its place, and kind of took away um, that rule and dominion from it. So now they kind of hate gods and they. They lurk in, in small kingdoms and in small little lairs where they can take over and conquer conquer people and, and build up their yeah. uh, prom- their influence and prominence once again. Yeah, they kind of work in the shadows. They use mind manipulation abilities and they try to get other lesser beings to do their bidding mm-hmm. rather than acting directly. Yeah, so that that was the one one approach we did instead of the undead. And I think you were going to hit on the other one. Yeah, another one that we had talked about because of our campaign setting. Um, we were talking about incorporating hobgoblins and goblinoids as a regional threat. And one of the great threats in our world is a hobgoblin legion. So it's kind of this 
forward army or scouting party that's making attempts at Charcoal Keep to test the defenses of Greycliff. Mm-hmm. So that that's more of a, I'd say, war approach. Yeah. And that's going to be a much grander scale of things happening. And the benefit to that approach is also that it can connect the dots throughout your world. So, you know, something that happens off to the west from Greycliff can trigger an event happening here. So, like, maybe the Hobgoblin <laughs> Legion is approaching from the west now, and that's why they're here at Greycliff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to mention, you know, that's kind of another adaptation uh, part of it. You know, we're, we're essentially taking a one-shot here, and, and the ideas that we've branched off of from it, you know, we could build uh, an arc, a story arc off of with the Ableth. I mean, you can make that a one through seven adventure. Yeah, maybe. if you really want to, you could. With the hobgoblins, it could be the same thing relatively. A one through five or mm-hmm. longer. It could be into a greater campaign setting. Right. You don't have to just take this quest and make it another one shot. You can adapt it and use it as a placemaker, um, just a, a stepping stone, a, a, a stair up, a, a ladder rung, another you know, step to the next part of the story. Yeah, and that also touches on the idea that... you once you've identified these parts and you're adapting them, you don't need to adapt. And this top touches on implementation a little bit as well. You don't need to adapt and implement every single plot point in this session. Oh, no. You can save some in your deck for later. Mm-hmm. Pull out a tricky card another time. Like maybe, maybe that spirit that you like for Hooray, we don't use, but we put it somewhere else. We have another Forgotten Shrine somewhere, and we can just drop mm-hmm. Hooray in there now. We have a yeah, pre-built like, NPC. We don't have to do any extra work for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like some ideas just off the top of my head. Like maybe the heroes get lost at some point in the quest and aren't sure where to go. You bring in Hooray to kind of guide them. Or, you know, and, you know, it doesn't have to be Hooray. It can be another name. It could be an ancestor of one of the characters, for example. Um, a forest uh, creature that could be talking to one of the rangers and knows something about the area. You know, there's a whole there's a whole plethora of options with D and D whenever it comes to it. So yeah, okay. Um, so we were talking about adapting it, um, adapting key points and plot points to your own story. So I think another thing we need to touch on with adapting, you, after you've made your modifications and you know what you want to do. You're going to want to review all of your plot points and actually make sure that the story that you're trying to tell and the story that was there before, it's still connected, at least to a certain extent, mm-hmm. making sure everything's all tied up together. Right. And this is when you want to do it before you're actually implementing them because then you might find out in the middle of a session, oh, crap, I didn't tie those two plot points together. What am I going to do? Instead of scrambling, you've already figured that out. Mm-hmm. Which I think kind of can bring us into our, our final little little point of uh, making a quest your own or making a game your own. Um, implementation, for sure, um, is a big one. Yeah, this one's another subjective tricky one because how you implement each one of these key points that you've identified is going to depend on any given session and your table, who you're playing with, your DM style. So I think for actually implementing all these points and all this work you've come up with to this this moment, your first step is going to be just organizing all of your story elements. Maybe a storyboard or like one of the bubble diagrams where you just draw out 
the story paths and how things could go. I'd say keep it simple. You don't need to put a ton of work into the framework of this. It's more about just seeing a bigger picture so you know where things fit in. Yeah, kind of like a, if you're writing a storyboard or or a, you know, a screenplay or something, you know, you want to know where all those pieces are going to go and how they're all going to come together. So that way, ultimately, when your players ask, well, what the heck, what's going on now, you have, you have something to tell them. Yeah, and it gives you an easy way to review what you have done and what has yet to come. So you, if players need inspiration for what to do, you can drop some hints. You know, maybe maybe they need to talk to an NPC still. So you just start dropping hints like, oh, some commoners passing by. Mention the lord of the town. And it's like, oh, yeah, we never talked to the lord. Let's go there. So mm-hmm. there's various ways you can tie those in. Right. But you'll the main idea is that you're building story around these plot points mm-hmm. so that it'll help kind of mesh it together. You fill in the environment, make a living world, and let those plot points exist in the world. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think the implement implementation part of this, you know, comes into, is it going to be a, a role-play focused? Is it going to be a combat focused? A little bit of mixture maybe in there. You know, that kind of ties into adaptation as well. Yeah. Um, but you're going to have to implement those as the DM those those rules or those those scenarios that happen that play out and um you know a lot of the times your players are going to do something that totally catches you off guard mm-hmm. so you're going to find out how well your implementation plan um is going to go into effect right away so for example i think in the in you know the quest we had built with gray cliff and everything we had run into some some issues with like well you know, like in the in Sokol Keep, there people were being controlled or, or disappearing or, or something in that aspect. And, you know, me and me and Jake were sitting there kind of scratching our heads and, you know, like, oh, God, well, how the heck do we do this? And then we came up with the Oblith and we we're like, okay, yeah. And then it's like, oh, the Oblith pretty much has the ability to mind control and enslave people and, and take them over. So we we figured that loophole. We implemented that what the creature does and put it into the story to kind of evolve and use that to keep driving the story and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you will probably find as you're doing this um, certain things that you implement will create new problems Mm -hmm. down the road. So be ready to adapt again what you've already worked on. Some certain things will just fall apart. Maybe they don't get to one of your key plot points that you really wanted to get to. That's fine. Save it for another rainy day or, you know, just relish the fact that, oh, they, you know, missed the coolest part in the quest. And, you know, that's not my fault. That's theirs. (laughs) Yeah. You can save it for another group. You can run it again, see if they'll do it. Or, like Clay just said, save it for another part of the campaign. You Mm -hmm. can bring that moment back in because they never touched it. Mm -hmm. They don't know about it. So, like we had mentioned, yeah, we had mentioned Hooray, you know, using that later on if if you choose to keep her around and and i think she's a huge implementation driving force that they used in Sokol keep to kind of keep the story moving and everything like that yeah so i mean that's kind of why we what we were looking at and stuff how we could you know hint to the players without being too obvious what's going on and 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 how to 
make that a mystery so they're not right away just like, oh, yep, this is the answer. Yeah. That's that's a little tricky because... Like, we want them to think, oh, maybe it's a wizard, you know, or, you know, causing illusions, blah, blah, blah. You have to build a level of mystery into the the quest itself. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So And that touches in with the design goal that we talked about at the start. That's kind of an overarching glue for the whole thing. You, you always want to be building up towards your design goal. And certain styles of play will lean towards different design goals. So, like, maybe you're doing a murder mystery or something like that. So you really need to play up the mystery and the wonder and, like, not just laying out the steps for your players to do. Mm-hmm. But if they're a very combat-heavy group, that's not going to go over well. Right. So maybe in your combat-heavy group, you're just giving them a few key NPCs that are very direct and obvious to talk to and let them go on their way. So that implementation will will be the realization of your design goal, how you actually get to what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, and then your players and watching them interact with it and everything, that's a very rewarding um, use of the implementation system. Kind of seeing your story come around and them realizing your stories coming around and everything like that. It's always a good good moment for everyone at the table yeah okay so i think that just about covers it so we talked about identifying plot points we talked about adapting plot points and implementing them into your own game mm-hmm. using Sokol keep as kind of a guide for it uh and obviously you don't have to take a one shot you could take a bigger book or a story that like a childhood story that you like or something mm-hmm. you can still kind of apply this same basic framework to different styles of media right i mean essentially all you're doing is storytelling for the most part um so you know take those stories and and make them your own like like you would any other um any other story you know yeah you might need to make a few mechanics but typically i would say most of the mechanics are covered by fifth edition in general using like advantage or disadvantage and finding an ability score that's relevant mm-hmm. so if you need to come up with something on your toes or whatever i just make a guess and you can always go back and tell the player that you did something wrong but i think like clay said it's very it's very focused on storytelling and you don't need to get wrapped up in the rules and the fine details because i know i've done that it's so easy to just get lost in that and when you do that, you lose sight of the bigger picture, and yep. the cohesive story that you were trying to tell just starts to fall apart. Right. You know, those rules are there to govern more of, of the interaction between the players of the world and everything. You know, don't let that impact your ability to still tell a story collectively as, as a team at the table. So don't let those rules get in your way of that for sure, because um, that's when you get some sour apples at the table for sure so (laughs) yeah yeah um but i think um i think next episodes uh we're gonna kind of get a little bit more relaxed and start bringing out some more flagons and flables i'm starting school again jake actually has another child on the way here child dose yes so we're gonna be pretty busy definitely coming up so we still want to get content out to you but we want a more relaxed approach where we don't have to uh, plan quite as much and, and script out and outline and all that stuff so we're gonna probably be releasing some more flagons and fable stuff um, in our next couple episodes coming up yeah and 
we'll keep you guys updated. Um, we'll look at other options here. I am going to take a moment here to announce that we are transitioning our podcasting service. Um, we had been doing Podbean. It was mm-hmm. working fine. We had no issues with it, but mm-hmm. we discovered Red Circle. So yeah. we are making a jump over to Red Circle. Right. It sounds promising. We're mm-hmm. going to give it a shot. So Yeah, we just want to branch out. We want to try to reach as many people as we can so that we can get more listeners and, and you know, spread our, our gospel of D&D to say. Yeah. There you go. So, um, but yeah, we just want to thank you guys all for uh, stopping in and, and listening today. We appreciate it. Uh, with that, we wish you uh, legendary tales. And very nice weather. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for joining us, travelers. 